0: Welcome to this episode of Tipsy Tales. I'm Alma. I'm Carlene. And we're deviating a little bit from our uh, normal format because we wanted to um, talk about Jesse Shockley. Many of you in our audience might remember a few years back, a little girl, five-year-old girl went missing and it kind of, it was more than local. It, it went nationwide. So anyways, it, it's kind of personal to Carlene and we Let's start talking on about it. On the last episode a little bit And we just wanted to go with it So that she isn't forgotten Right yeah. um, I'm going to play a little bit of a clip And then we'll go from there
1: What is your emergency? Oh, my God.
0: was really difficult to listen to every time every time you hear it it's hard to listen to and it's because not because it elicits that empathetic response that you usually feel when you hear a 911 call where a child's being reported missing It's, it's frustration for me yes frustration only because we know the whole case from beginning to end right and because you know how it ends it just makes me angry
2: I mean, none of us could say exactly how we would behave if something like that happened. I just know that when my kids were little and just in the grocery store or even in the house, if I couldn't find them, they weren't answering me. Panic mode. Right. And I was like, where are they? Allie, Allie. You know, or whoever. I mean, either I could say, wow, good for her for being so calm. And she's talking to other. I just wouldn't be right scattered I, you'd be I'd, scattered and panicked be, they'd have to be saying okay calm down ma'am right and then i'd say what do you mean calm down my child's missing get
0: somebody over here now right yeah it was very it was too She was too calm i mean and I, I don't know if that's tainted because we know what we the, know right but she seemed too calm for me too methodical all the way through
2: I just wouldn't be able to be talking to other kids. Come here, don't do that. You know whatever she was saying and then I don't know. I may Yeah, we know the case, so maybe if we heard it not knowing, right. we wouldn't be judging it so much, right. although I kind of think I would be. Yeah. I'd have some suspicions. So, I just have
0: to tell you guys that we recorded this podcast on Friday. We had a whole bunch of weird things happen um while we were recording. And at some point, we went to play back, and it, the whole episode was roached. It was just amplified and distorted, and so
2: this is our second try. Try number two, and it's not the first time weird things have happened regarding this case. First of all, with me, but with other—at with, the courthouse and— Yeah, the electricity no, here, went out yeah. during testimony— I, I think everybody's has experienced weird things regarding this whole case, the whole situation. I'd almost be interested to see if, like, the detective that was in charge, what kind of things he's experienced during and
0: since. Yeah, that would be interesting. So, like I said, Carly had her own experiences with this case. We'll elaborate more about that on the end. We're just going to kind of give the timeline from beginning to end the factual information from beginning to end and um and then carlene will kind of jump in and give her experience
2: yeah then we'll discuss the whole the whole thing yeah so uh, and our own opinions of it yeah well of course we're going to give those that's why everybody tunes in (laughs) (laughs) yeah and
0: and we're not drinking tonight or today today it's not tonight. It's, it's the afternoon. <laughs> we usually we're doing this in the evening. And we were we did have a glass of wine the last time we did this you know just kind of take the edge off because it was i think because we just want to make sure that we handle this with the kid gloves and the dignity that it deserves yes all right so Jessie shockley she was five years old um from glendale arizona this was reported on october 11th by her mother in 2011 darice hunter calls glendale police and you guys have just heard the 911 call um at This happened about 5 p.m. to report that her daughter, Jessie, was missing from her apartment near 45th Avenue and Glendale Avenues. Hunter said she had gone on a brief errand and returned to find Jessie missing and that she had left Jessie in the care of her three other children. Police scour the neighborhood that night looking for her, of course, to no avail. And they initially suspect that Jessie may have simply managed to unlock her apartment door and walk out. October 12th. Authorities activate an Amber Alert hours after a tipster said she saw a woman put a girl who looked like Jesse in a dark-colored Chevrolet Malibu. Go ahead and jump in wherever you like to. <laughs> Whatever I'm missing, just go ahead and throw it in there. I will. I'm just kind of covering my own notes. Okay. And then October 13th, police find no sign of Jesse, and after canvassing their neighborhood... Meanwhile, news of Hunter's past child abuse convictions surface. On October 13th, this is when all this stuff starts to come to the surface. I guess she had a history of child abuse in Vallejo, California, where she lived prior to moving to Arizona. I'm just going to throw this out there that I got a lot of this information off of... AZ Family, yeah. right? Channel 3. No, it was Arizona Central.
2: Oh, Arizona Arizona Central. Central.
0: Okay. I knew it was one of those. Yeah. And I got some of it off of there too. Yeah, I did. Okay. So Hunter had a history of abuse in Vallejo, California. In October, 2005, Hunter was charged with five felonies, four counts of corporal injury to a child and one count of torture. She allegedly whipped her three and seven year old children at the time with an extension cord and a belt. Okay. And then she also so punched her 14 year old son during an argument, and he said she frequently beat him with sticks. At the time the beast charges were brought against her, Hunter was married to George Edward Shockley, who is Jesse's father, a convicted sex offender who would become Jesse's father. Okay. He participated in some of the beatings and faced charges of child abuse as well as failure to register as a sex offender and he's still in prison. All of Hunter's children stated that the abuse had been going on for years and that the 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 judge presiding over the case said to her that she never ever should have had children. That's a pretty strong statement. That's a huge statement. Photographs of Jesse's parents are posted with this case summary. Um, They are now divorced in 2006. Hunter pleaded no contest to the four counts of corporal injury to a child. And the torture charge was dropped as a result of the plea agreement. She was sentenced to eight years in prison. She served four. And was paroled in 2010.
2: They give people with marijuana charges more time than that. That drives me insane. It It, is disgusting. And then she ends up with all these kids
0: back in her care. Yeah, and
2: hey, pop out a couple more, why don't you? Right.
0: Jessie and her siblings were raised by her mother's relatives while Hunter was incarcerated and Hunter got them back following her release. Many of her family members have or had been supportive of her during this time and, you know, stated how much they loved her Mm -hmm. and how she had become a much better parent since her release from prison. Mm. That quickly backfires on the 16th october 16 2011 after news of this prior case come out all of a sudden the focus becomes the mother the children end up in child protective services care and they're all removed from the house on october 21st a cousin who helped raise jesse tells the republic that she called cps several times to report her suspicions that jesse and her older sister were being abused and i guess yeah i guess um Back in April of 2011, I guess there was a birthday party or Easter or something. Something like that. That they were all together, and they noticed, you know, things weren't right with her, and that's when they made the call.
2: Yeah, they noticed her teeth or her gums didn't look right. Yeah, her gums were bruised. Something was up with her teeth. Yeah. And and just to jump in for a second, they did mention at the trial... her dad or her all, anyway people were saying well if you noticed all these things why didn't you say something to her to the family that did support her and the aunt or cousin she said they did they, right. numerous times they said something they tried to get her help they offered to have her come stay with them They, she had a strong family support system so there's really no excuse for her to like no victim mentality she can't use that right she had a strong family support system that offered to help her right down to living all those kids and her living with family members so but they did they reported to the police they reported to cps they did everything right yep so. Yep, there was no
0: excuses. Mm-hmm. Then comes October 24th. Hunter goes to the state capitol to raise awareness about her missing five-year-old, which that just, uh On top of everything else, just, obs- like, it's obscene. To me, that's obscene. She criticizes the media
2: for focusing on her rather than
0: finding Jesse.
2: Well, that's what guilty people do. Right. They lash out at even her mom going, right, to... They're interviewing her and turning it against or even changing it to they didn't look hard enough. They haven't been doing their job. I remember that. And they were searching day and night for her. The police were doing everything right and at the that only reason time. i know about this case is because it was all over the it media was all over the every media. news channel was
0: playing it you heard it on the radio you heard it everywhere
2: and she was hamming it up all over the news yeah she was and they even mentioned about her being hot and cold her what he was it? a little bipolar whenever was, they was like they would be interviewing her but you asked one question the wrong way and she would be don't ask about my past my past has do i look like i would abuse my child what does a child abuser look like first of all but your past speaks volumes right so they are right to be your reputation
0: precedes you here exactly
2: see how hard it is for us
0: not to jump in it is hard it is hard it is hard And, and and even though we 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 did this whole episode like i said we did this on friday the same thing but it's just we're just gonna stick to this. October 25th. It says 25th or 29th, so I don't. I don't know. Jesse's mother gives birth to another baby. It is later confirmed that CPS also removed the newborn from Hunter's care. Thank goodness. Then here comes November. November 21st. Um, police arrests, finally arrest Hunter on suspicion of child abuse involving Jesse, and things escalate from here.
2: And before we all, why did it take them so long? And They had to be very careful about how they did things with her. They had to get all their ducks in a row. Right. All right, so at this news
0: conference, um, they announced that they no longer expect to find Jessie alive, and they suspect Hunter was involved in her daughter's disappearance. The reward information in the case is increased to 25000 at this point. And then November 22nd, the Maricopa County Superior Court releases documents that reveal Jesse's older sister told police that she hadn't seen her sister since September.
2: Uh, I, I'm really confused on all of that. And right. I know we already did this, and even with the research I did, I... I they live I'm in not, the same house. Yeah, I'm not it's, real... I don't know... if and, and then what she was giving me, it makes me reevaluate what I was feeling. Right. And maybe because I couldn't explain what I was getting, that actually makes sense because I just thought maybe her spirit guides were helping me. But maybe it was that she was already gone. But I still, I'm, I'm I don't know. I question all of that. I'm not sure. Sorry, I just. It's okay. I know, no, 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 no. And I probably just confused everybody because they don't know what we're talking about. But just keep all that in mind because you'll understand when we get there. Yeah, we're definitely going to come back to that. All right. So then the teen
0: says that Jesse's mother often kept the five year old girl in a closet and that she would give Jesse food and water when her mother left the apartment which is super sad and just breaks my heart just to even read the those words right now all right so according to the other children in this document now in foster care at this time jesse was abused in one instance hunter returned home to find jesse watching television with a neighbor boy an older daughter reportedly told police the daughter said hunter called
2: jesse a hoe (laughs) how's your five-year-old a hoe because she's laying next to a boy watching tv I, I can't even imagine calling my daughter a hoe i i have never called any of my kids any derogatory names but a hoe, of but all a things. hoe? yeah Mm-mm. a five-year-old she doesn't even know what that is right <laughs> so disgusting the oh. woman is disgusting yeah she is
0: and took her into her bedroom where the older girl said she heard Jesse screaming and crying. So I guess yeah. it's safe to say that she was getting the shit beat out of her at this time.
2: Sounds like that was a regular occurrence. And those poor
0: siblings probably felt so helpless. You have to listen to that. Ugh. I mean, I, the apartment couldn't have been that very big.
2: It's not very big.
0: We'll have to put the pictures of the apartment. Mm-hmm. Police interviews with the other children ages 6, 9, and 13 at the time. Can you imagine? The
2: 13-year-old was probably trying to be the protector, too, and that must have done a number on her. Her, right? Right. Police interviews with the
0: other children were included in the police probable cause statement which allowed officers to arrest hunter the oldest said her mother would keep jesse in her bedroom closet although the document was unclear about exactly when that occurred the girl said that she would give jesse food and water as i just said earlier uh, when their mother left and then put her back in the closet so that the five year old wouldn't get into trouble. And we were talking about this last night. I don't think there was a lock on the closet door that, like, she just in our terrified. minds were like, she could have just left, but she's terrified of her mother. Yeah. Of course, she's going to do what she's told. Yeah. All three of the children told authorities that they saw Jesse with bruises or black eyes. The oldest said that Jesse's hair had been pulled out and that she looked like a zombie. She said the cl- closet where Jesse had been locked looked like a grave and smelled like dead people. And. This is where you have an issue. Yeah, because that stuck out in my mind. Mm -hmm. The first few times I read that, I was just like, "That just... How does a thirteen-year-old know the smell of death? I mean, the smell of death is a very like distinct. You'll never forget it once you've Mm -hmm. smelled it. How does she know what that smells like?
2: Yeah, because thirteen-year-old would have said things like, "It smelled like." rotted meat or it smelled like rotten eggs or it smelled like but would be more specific than to say it smelled like death how would she know to say something that specific right i understand Yeah, it bothers me too because uh what else has they who else what else have they encountered in their life and seen in their and short little
0: lives smelled um a few days or or maybe they even heard somebody talking about it like well, discussing it so yeah, i don't know could be a few days after cleaning the apartment, Hunter, and okay, so the cleaning of the apartment, uh-huh. she goes and buys bleach and she
2: freaking goes to town cleaning top to bottom. If you saw shoes. this apartment, you would see that she doesn't go to town cleaning anything.
0: <laughs> yeah. And from top to the bottom, she right. like bleaches the hell out of everything. And apparently she doesn't do a very good job of it because they get evidence. Yeah. Right before she calls 911, a day before she calls 911, that's when she goes. So she, that's oh, there you very go. premeditated, right? obviously.
2: Yeah. She even went so far as to bleach her shoes that were in the closet with Jessie. Did you okay. That? That's not normal. Yeah. Nobody does that. If you do, message us. I'd like to know who you are. <laughs> Why are you bleaching your shoes? <laughs> Unless they're white tennies and you're trying to get them white. Or you just got really stinky feet. Okay. I still wouldn't bleach my shoes. Yeah. The oldest now says that Hunter
0: told the children to lie to police and that the last time she saw Jesse was September 12th. The court document said the girls, the girl first confided in another child and then to the foster mother. All right. A court commissioner says Hunter will be held on a $100,000 bond at this time and says she's a suspect in her daughter's death. Now we're on November 28th. Hunters released from county jail after prosecutors decide not to charge her with the child abuse. Maricopa County Attorney Bill Montgomery says that the charge could create a situation of double jeopardy if police later pursued felony murder case against her. That's why they were being so careful. Right. And I remember the uproar over this. Like, people who had been following the case, even like me, I remember,
2: like, just being, like, why are they letting her go? Why are they letting her go? So this is why. Well, because we had... Have- have as citizens have seen so many people get released released freed for the most heinous things so of course we're not putting faith in the justice system even police officers don't always put faith in the justice system because they arrest them they take them to court and then they're released right so it was natural for us to all assume that she was going to get off all right. November 29th, a Scottsdale based
0: attorney hired by Hunter's friends and family says his client has been unfairly convicted in the press, which bullshit. He expresses concerns about her daughter, her daughter's reported statements, as well as the length of time Hunter was jailed without criminal charge. Basically saying, what well, you held her all this time and you guys haven't charged her with anything. She must be innocent. Right. Um, December 21st, police say they suspect Jessie was killed and thrown in a Tempe trash bin before she was reported missing and you'll hear like some excerpts from the trial about that trash bin. For the first time police dubbed the case an active homicide investigation. Authorities say Hunter continues to be the focus of the investigation at that time. Police describe efforts to determine whether to search the Butterfield Station landfill in Tempe where trash is taken and where trash would have been taken from that um, particular trash bin. All right then comes February 2012. February 6th Glendale police begin sifting through the trash at the Butterfield Station landfill in Mobile. The first two weeks of their search ended with no significant finds, but police say they remain determined to find Jesse's body. April 12th, Glendale police spent nearly 400,000 in the first eight weeks of a landfill search for Jesse Shockley's remains for 10 weeks. Police raked through thousands of tons of trash, at the Butterfield Station hoping to find her body. Then comes June. June 27th, Glendale Police announced that despite their best efforts and the efforts of 200 searchers, authorities were unable to find 5-year-old Jesse Shockley's body at the Butterfield Station landfill in Tempe. September 2012. September 6th, Glendale Police arrested Jerice Hunter, finally. September 17th, Therese Hunter pleaded not guilty during an arraignment on charges of first-degree murder and child abuse of her daughter, daughter Jessie Shockley. All right, I just have to comment on, like, when they were interrogating her, um, and I don't have that any of that in my notes, but when they were inter- interrogating her, I saw some clips of this, and she shows no emotion.
2: None whatsoever.
0: And she- you can tell that it's different days because her yeah. clothes change, and in each of those she shows no emotion
2: we can send like the research i did we can put that on our thing right so you guys can just like hop over and look at it right most of the stuff i got was off of channel 15 i think but i'll we could put that on there because it shows them interrogating her and and honestly she just is more like i wouldn't hurt my baby you guys don't have any evidence. You guys you don't, don't have, have any. any. Yeah, I heard. I heard her say that, and I was just like, okay. Yeah, and and then offering her to do polygraph test several times. That's what changed the family to turn against her. Is they they say that on a when they're talking to him outside, right? Like, why all of a sudden? And they're like, frankly, she won't take the polygraph test. If she was innocent, why wouldn't she just do that so they can move on? Right. And it should be noted that she did still have a lot of
0: family members that still were backing her during the trial, and they probably are still backing her, but it caused a... A split in their family yeah yeah which we can talk about that because i
2: have plenty of notes on that
0: one. okay too. october 9th glendale police released more than 1400 pages of records related to the case which include a statement from a witness who said she saw hunter dispose of a large heavy and foul-smelling suitcase days before the glendale child was reported missing <laughs> did you want to play something
2: yeah, well i do and i saved one Okay, okay. but now I'm looking for one more thing. All right and then March
0: of 2012 also um, an attorney that represented um, the three family members who helped raise Jessie for four years of her life four and a half years of her life so during the time her mom's in prison her her life isn't she doesn't have this miserable life that obviously she was leading with her mom she did experience
2: good in her life right the videos that you see where she's laughing and she's having a good time and there's cute pictures of her that was not while she was with her mom right i i don't know that kind of warms my heart that her whole life wasn't filled with
0: this misery right even though she came to a sad end it just like warms my heart to know that she had good people in her life she had some normalcy and joy yeah okay and then um, jumping back because you did you found this one recording of when they were questioning Jarice, mm-hmm. and how we were talking about how she showed no emotion um, I just wanted to play this clip as well
2: your children have been talked to okay and they are telling us some things that are a little bit different than what we first learned
0: I cried one time you're saying you love this girl but you don't cry one time have yeah.
2: This officer obviously trying to get Jerice Hunter to break down, show some emotion, maybe admit something. It didn't work.
3: you trying to get me to break down in front of you, but it's not the time. I need to cooperate with you people, okay?
2: So after all those hours and all those questions, Jerice Hunter never cried, never cracked, and never confessed. You, it comes back to you. Okay. Something has happened and you know more than you're to oh, talk about. Do you want to, me to take a, a lie detector like how, I do you, how do you feel you
0: would do on a lie detector test? I like think it? I will do fine because I don't have nothing to hide. So that's interesting because <laughs> she offered to take, she, yeah. herself, she was, offered to take a lie detector, but she never followed through with that.
2: Nope. She was given the opportunity several times and w- absolutely would not do it. So funny she says she'll do that and then you want me to do it sure I'll do it and basically they said okay here and
0: Uh... she refused so that's pretty much what you were talking about the family was like okay
2: yeah and you want I need to hold it together so I can cooperate she never cooperated with them right okay so it's a very frustrating i don't know how anybody who hears this who heard it back then how as a human being especially with children you can't get frustrated with this
0: right and being a mom like -hmm. just i mean whether you have kids or not as long as you've got empathy it's hard to hear this right all right it's gonna get more frustrating or as we dig in um april 2013, grandmother of Hunter's children tells the Republic that state officials were successful in their efforts to deny her custody of the remaining children because she was unable to protect the children from Hunter. So they even kept them from the grandmother.
2: Yeah, and I will... There was a part in this during the trial. I think it was during the trial, but it did come out in the trial also, where the grandmother had the kids all at one time. Not Jessie because she wasn't born yet. And sent them to live with the aunt or cousin or whoever had them. And because she said, here, I can't handle them. I don't want them anymore. You need to take them. Like, I'm over it. I don't want them. And she actually made it just because... She was abusive to Right. Stuff the like hunter. that came out in the trial mm-hmm. as well. And so she was over it and didn't want the kids anymore. And so she handed them off to this person who then didn't have like legal right to have them. Right. And so when jury said she wanted her kids back. The, that woman didn't have any way to keep them. Although she tried, she went to CPS in California and Arizona, and she couldn't she couldn't keep them. And and then it, it should be
0: noted that so the past abuse happened in California and then she came to Arizona and the jurist there was just like what were we talking about earlier? Jurisdictional problems like they couldn't keep the kids from her. Uh,
2: what? The police?
0: Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, because the, she so California sent the information to Phoenix. Phoenix police sent, just like they were supposed to, sent the information to Glendale because that's where she's living, to the Glendale police. And I believe all of this was happening because the the relatives were saying stuff. So they're sending that report off to Glendale. And then Glendale Police did their job and gave it to CPS. And then that's where the ball got dropped. Right. CPS didn't find it necessary to um, do anything because when they went and knocked on the door and said, do you abuse your kids? And No, I don't. No. What's their schedule? Well, I'm a perfect mom. I get up at her conditioned. uh, What we just listened to a minute ago was her conditioned... Um, Rehearsed her rehearsed (laughs) response of, they get up at five. I feed them, bathe them, send them to school. Then they come home. They do homework. We eat and I get them ready for bed because I'm a perfect mom. And
0: then the CPS worker said,
2: okay. okay, sounds good to me. She didn't check anything. Or what about a surprise visit? So you could see the shit they're living in. Right. Had they done a surprised visit, they might've seen that Jesse was living in a closet tied up or not being fed. Again, <sighs> we hit, we discussed this on the long one that got right. messed up yeah. so was that we don't want to blame everything on the social workers because right. we know that they have a huge caseload and we know that they kind of have to prioritize and rush things but that belongs to the higher up people and I listened to the director at the time of CPS and he said well I mean 99% of our cases are are good and I'm thinking so what you're saying, she's just the 1%, like, oops, sorry. I right. mean, that's literally how he made it sound. Right. And I promise you there are more than ninety uh, 1%, 1% that are yeah. slipping through the cracks and failing. Yeah. And it shouldn't even be 1%. And I just think that they're underpaid, overworked, and undertrained. Yeah, way too many caseloads for just
0: one person to to manage and visit and follow up on and like just do all the things that a caseworker has to do with each case. There's just no way. There's no way you can do all those things.
2: No, and at the same time, I've heard of people where there's a disgruntled sibling or coworker or husband or wife, and they send in a report, and that gets somebody to where their kids actually get taken away and they're just there really isn't a reason for it there's no abuse it's just a he said she said they're trying to stir up problems and I know they try to, to weed through that but no rhyme or reason no I think it depends on your worker and and who they are their personality and how much work they want to do or how much they don't and some people just get that one that could be like I'm going to take your kids until I figure it out or I'm not going to take your kids because I don't really want to deal with this right because that's more paperwork right okay all right so
0: now we're down to December 2014 this is a couple years later already After several delays, a Superior Court judge sets a trial date for Hunter, who has pleaded not guilty to murder and child abuse. A Glendale police spokesman said investigators remain committed to obtaining justice for Jesse. All right, March 2015, the jury selection actually begins for her trial. Then, shortly thereafter, the trial begins. All right, so I did want to give some testimony. Some of the testimony that stood out, especially the the woman that um, supposedly drove her out to Tempe, where she supposedly, I, I don't even want to say supposedly, where she disposed of Jesse's body. Right. And her name was, this is a neighbor, Samaya Abdul-Gadir.
2: All right, so. Which, well, in our previous one, this is where we came up with, what the heck? Right. Yeah. yeah. Talk about that in a minute yeah, yeah. all right
0: abdul gadir one of four witnesses who testified monday lived with her husband and their children in the same complex as hunter on october 4th 2011 she told jurors that, that hunter asked her for a ride to tempe so this is the Fourth, So October 11th was when she called 911. Mm-hmm. So October 4th, this is when the neighbor says is the date that she drove her to Tempe. All right. So she told yours that Hunter asked her for a ride to Tempe where she planned to sell clothes so she could buy food to feed her kids. Which... We kind of were discussing on the last, our last try, that she had just recently received her cash card. And her food stamps. Food stamps. And also, that morning. Like $300. $300 from a cousin or. Uncle a rel- or something. Yeah, yeah, from a relative. So, she had money. Carl Daniels was the name of the cousin. Oh, yeah. A relative of Hunter's testified Monday that he'd paid Hunter cash in exchange for food stamps earlier that morning because Hunter told him she needed money to pay rent. Hunter then asked Daniel to take two of her children, one of them named Jessie, which... (laughs) <laughs> it was not Jesse. To the bus stop. Daniels also told jurors he later learned that Jesse's true identity from the news reports and that the girl he took to the bus stop was not Jesse.
2: Who was it? One of the that's kids what I want
0: to know. It was one of the the other kids. One of her, her other kids? Yeah. Oh, okay. Obviously this relative didn't really know them that well. Right. He was like hey. Okay, that's Jesse. And did that That's weird to me.
2: Yeah. And then did she just like go along with it, the little kid? Yeah, that's like weird. when he's like, "Hi, Jesse." She didn't say my name's not Jesse.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I wonder. That's weird. Yeah.
2: yeah, see, there's so many pieces of this story that are so questionable. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, maybe he's just not in their life. Like, I mean, just, that makes sense. Or right. there's relatives. Oh, by the way, <laughs> since you're here, you know, can you take my kids? Right. to School. I mean, this isn't to sound ter- too terrible. My ex's mom, who. I kind of I hadn't seen in a very long time and she was in the hospital and I offered to pick her up at Christmas and I had my nephew with me and we went to pick her up and she said, "Oh, which one of the kids is this?" And I was like, "This isn't any of my kids. This is my nephew Colin." So, I mean, it's not unheard of to no, have somebody. I guess not. I guess not cuz
0: go to family functions and you introduce your kids to people you've introduced them to the year before and the year before that and yeah. you're like, Yeah, I'm now introducing my children to you for the
2: fifty fifth time. <laughs> I mean I mean there's some I guess I don't so. know how old this guy is. I, I mean there's elderly and the kids change a lot, like their appearance. I don't right. know. I don't know. I'm just being yeah. sad I Ken, guess I guess. We're, we're answering our question <laughs> as
0: to why. All right. So back to the story of Abdul Gadir. her story of, you know, this drive to Tempe. She parked her Chevrolet sedan near Hunter's back patio while Hunter brought out the suitcase and put it in the trunk. She said that she offered, Abdul offered to help Hunter who was pregnant, but Hunter declined. Abdul was putting on perfume when Hunter got in the front seat next to her and explained that if something smelled bad, it was probably some old shoes in the luggage she just loaded, which she obviously had a guilty conscience when she got in the car and she saw her putting on perfume or spraying perfume, and she probably didn't even smell anything.
2: Yeah. And I don't know any shoes that are going to smell so bad that you can smell them from the trunk trunk of the car that are in a suitcase coming from the trunk of a car to the front
0: seat. having visuals right now, so I'm
2: just like... (laughs) The pair shopped at a
0: convenience store where Hunter paid for gas and ice. Abdelgadir said they then took surface roads to Tempe because Abdelgadir did not like to drive in the freeway. And when they got to Tempe, Hunter directed her to an apartment complex, very specific, and asked Abdul Gadir to park next to a pair of garbage bins concealed by a brick wall. Abdul Gadir testified... I think this is where we got to. Yes. Yeah, this is where we were like,
2: oh my gosh, <laughs> that doesn't make sense.
0: Abdul Gadir testified <laughs> that using her, her rearview mirror, she saw Hunter put on plastic gloves and take the suitcase out of the trunk she then told the court she heard Hunter put the parcel in one of the dumpsters. Should we talk about our theory? <laughs> oh, wait. Let's wait until we get okay. all the way to the end of this. And then Hunter got back in the car and explained to Abdul Gudir that the person who was going to buy the clothes told her to put them in the dumpster if they weren't there. Which... Convenient, weird. Why would you want your clothes in the dumpster? And this is where you pretty much said, "Who did she know that lived in? How did she know to go specifically to that apartment complex? Who did she know that lived in?" That's when it hit
2: me because I was like, like, "Wait, how would who would she know to go to that particular complex and know those trash bins are right there?" And then I think, according to another source that I had read, they were empty. So (laughs) yeah, they they did
0: say the trash had already been emptied.
2: Okay. I, I, remember I remember that, that from, from back then. then. Okay.
0: So, yeah. And then after all was said and done, Abdul Gadir said Hunter then told her she was hungry. And that, mm-hmm. just reading that. I just left my kid's body in the
2: trash. Damn, I'm hungry.
0: <laughs> like, she's garbage. Like, her <laughs> yeah. daughter is garbage. That's sad. Like, without any kind of if that's second in fact thought. what she, she did, did, that is callous disgusting cold alright as far as evidence goes jurors were shown pieces of blood stained carpet taken from Hunter's closet and the car and from the car that prosecutors say contained Jesse's dead body which has never been found um, first call to the stand was a 15-year-old veteran of the Glendale Police Department and a member of the Homicide Unit, Officer Brad McMillan. Is he the one that gave that in the closing statements, or I think it was at sentencing he went up and he talked about, you or know, he got, he got so choked up and.
2: I think I, that is that was the lead detective, Roger Geisler.
0: Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that was heart wrenching to watch. Mm-hmm officer brad mcmillan observed cadaver dogs pick out pieces of evidence on november 23rd 2011 mcmillan said the dogs examined several pieces of evidence including carpet Cut from the closet of Hunter's home, liner from the trunk of a gold Chevy Impala, and a Tempe dumpster that police believe was used to get rid of Jesse's body. So there was forensic evidence that they pulled from those places. Um, After observing the dogs, McMillan recounted that the first dog, Casey, confirmed each piece of evidence among decoys and said that a second dog, Brogan, confirmed Casey's findings each time. In addition, McMillan had another technician swab for DNA on the edge of the dumpster. Then prosecutors brought out DNA and serology analyst Elizabeth Schwab of the Arizona Department of Public Safety along with pieces of carpet and cut-out trunk liner. Schwab's job as a serologist is to examine and identify body evidence including blood, semen, saliva, and more. While handling the 70-and-a-half by 29-inch piece of closet carpet, Schwab pointed out to the jury the four spots that she tested and confirmed as blood. She then talked about how she flipped over the carpet and saw an 11 by 8 inch. So the size of a piece of paper. Like, um, Wait,
2: can I go back, back when you were talking about whose DNA did they find on the trash? Jessie's. See, I question so much of that. Because if she was in the suitcase, how did her DNA get on the trash bin? I mean if she's stuffed in a suitcase bodily fluids could
0: have been seeping huh? out of the suitcase oh, her from her yeah, yeah I guess so from
2: the way she was dumped in there like I was also like when they showed how much hair was in the trunk I'm like well she was stuffed in a suitcase that goes more on what she showed me which we'll talk about later but right. that all everything else matches more of what she told me than what they're saying about the suitcase like she told me that she was wrapped up in a blue blanket right and st- put in the trunk of the car. Right. And then it. Unless, it. I mean, I don't know. We don't know, like, the circumstances
0: of them getting over there, the suitcase being jostled around in the back of the, I mean, maybe it
2: would have fallen out of, I don't know. I don't know. I just, also don't know how big the suitcase was and how well, she fit in it interestingly
0: it enough, the suitcase belonged to, the, um,
2: the lover.
0: Right. So. And who I also think is, oh my God.
2: Okay. Let's just keep going. Okay. okay.
0: <laughs> All right. Okay, so I'm talking about the um, 11 by inch stain. She also tested positive positive for blood on the carpet. Schwab then discussed how she tested the trunk liner a day later and received 28 negatives out of 29 tests she performed. What? Which I don't know what that means.
2: So wait, so she's seeping enough fluid to get it on the trash bin, but not enough to get inside the trunk. Yeah. I mean, d- just none of it's making enough sense. Wait, think to about know. when you're you're holding a suitcase. Right. Think about when you hold a suitcase
0: and you're this is a heavy suitcase. You're picking it up and you're going to dump it in the trash bin. The edges are the ones that are exposed. Obviously, like when a dead body is like decomposing, I hate to talk about it so clinically, but when a dead body is decomposing, of course,
2: fluids are starting to... Well, I get that. But why when she lifted it out? I mean, we're talking about a skinny pregnant woman is pulling the suitcase out. Why wouldn't those flu- fluids had ended up in the trunk as right. well? right. I, don't know. I just... None of it... I'm overanalyzing. I have a tendency to do that. <laughs> All right.
0: She flipped it over. She noticed no stains. She So she simply divided the liner into sections and swabbed the entire area, receiving two positives for blood. So that was the liner from the car. April 27, 2015, Juries Hunter is convicted of a jury by a jury of seven men and five women. Um, and they all reach a guilty verdict, and then on July seventeenth, two thousand and fifteen, almost four years later, she sentenced to serve a natural life sentence for the rest of her life in prison.
2: And I believe she got some ex, you know, how they'll do like a consecutive sentence. Then right. she also got some on some abuse charges too. Right. And then they, it was really nice. I, I watched how they were calculating, giving her time <coughs> served for time that she's already been in there. Like that's going to make a difference. Right. And I think they were taking that off of her abuse charges. It doesn't matter. You're in there for your natural life. Who cares? Right. It was like 1,800 and. 70 days or something like that 56 days and then they were I don't know they did something else but I was like what does it matter she's in there for the rest of her natural life I don't even why are they wasting their time with that right just it's procedure yeah. they're it's just to, silly
0: yeah so that was pretty much the timeline there so we can talk about like when you first started experiencing because <laughs> we kind of touched on that on the last episode when you were talking about her coming to you
2: I get animated, so I'm just going to put this up. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I get super excited. So when they first put up the Amber Alert for... Jesse, this is actually the reason this case is how I learned that I can't watch much of the news because I learned, I kind of did it to myself, but I learned that they, they being spirit, will come to me. Um, that day, they put up the Amber Alert. They put a picture of her, and I was just like, I wish you I, I could get the gift of finding kids like this, missing children. I wish I could have that. And then be careful what you wish for. It just might come true. And I didn't realize I did anything until it was like my ears were plugged up and then like somebody was pinching my ears and that lasted, I mean, for total a good month. It lasted until I did something about it. And I didn't even realize it had to do with Jesse. I didn't know what it was. I thought spirit was changing my energy or something. And it was right at the beginning where I was just understanding my energy and that I was just starting to help other people with my gifts so I didn't understand all of what was happening right
0: can, can we just touch on before you like get too far into that because yeah. I think some people have a misconception when they think of a psychic and they think of the message that messages that you get mm-hmm. that you're just getting somebody talking in your ear clearly and that you can just relay that yeah that, that doesn't sentence.
2: Happen. <laughs> that doesn't happen I always tell my clients it's like charades and everybody's different some people um they do they hear it's like a thought in your head right so they'll hear that some people get flashes and that they see some people physically feel things some people there's so many different kinds Of of psychics psychics clairvoyant there's clara i can't pronounce all of them and i don't go into that but for me, I am a combination of all different kinds of ways of communication. So it's I always say it's like I'm playing charades with spirit and I have to put together all the thoughts and feelings that they're giving me to put up their sentences or their... Whatever they're trying to convey to you. Right. And so sometimes sometimes it comes through super clear where I'm getting their personality, I'm hearing what they want me to say, and I'm just... It's flowing really good. It just depends sometimes on how clear spirit is being and how open I am and the receiver, who, who the receiver is and how open they are to receive the message, too. So I will feel so if I say I feel something it's I'm physically feeling a feeling but I will also feel touch and you know they're touching my hair or whatever or I can feel like if they sometimes I've gotten like when somebody's been stabbed I'll feel the stabbing that's not fun that's not a fun thing I hear so like a thought in my head that's how I hear them I can even smell things when they give me a, a scent And I see the flashes. So sometimes I'll say, did they have a mustache? Did they wear glasses? Or I'll see, there was a woman who, her son was hit by a car. And I was like, I I see the car. It's a blue car and he's running from it. And that was all correct. So I see things. So it's a combination of things and I'm trying to put it all together. And then out comes the message. So with Jesse on that day, I was physically feeling her energy as they were plugging my ears and then and holding my ears and then which could be that energy is so strong that as it's getting near me that's the effect I'm getting and even sometimes when spirits yelling at me and I can't hear them it sounds like somebody plugging one ear like if you put a shell up to your ear or cup your hand right so that's how I know like oops somebody's saying something to me and I'm not Listening, they're getting frustrated. Right. Um, And sometimes I'll get the feel of anxiety if they're like trying to get my attention. Okay. Okay. So that night or the night after, I started. Uh, Realizing she was communicating to me and trying to tell me what was going on. And so I, and my goddaughter was staying with me at the time, and I'm like, I keep seeing like she's being tied up. I see her hands are tied up, and I see her in a closet, and she's not being fed. And I was getting all these little clues about her. And so my mom, who watches the news all the time, I stopped watching the news because I wanted to make sure I wasn't getting anything tainted putting my own things, my own ideas in my head. So I called my mom and I said, okay, that that little little girl girl, Jessie, Jessie, I think she's communicating with me and I'm going to tell you things and then... You, I need you to validate it for me or hey it's on the news that really did happen kind of thing so I told her I said they're going to say that she wasn't being fed she was being bound or imprisoned in some way I feel like she's in a closet but I felt like it was more like a, a closet with a door but again I don't always get that kind of a actual yeah that. and then I was getting that for some reason and sometimes when they show me things that could be a symbol for something so if they show me a red balloon that can mean uh, a, ce- a celebration like a birthday or it could also mean depending on what they do with it that they somebody sent them a message and they caught the message oh. so I, I have, have to, to decipher. decipher what these mean and so they also were showing me a room with a with just a bed and I don't even think the bed was made up I don't know I don't remember looking that specific And then it was like just a TV. And it was a little older model TV and a small one. So it was almost like think, they let me out every once in a while to, to see the TV. So it, was, it wasn't real specific. It was just like being controlled but imprisoned at the same time. So um, while I was tickling my daughter, oh, well, let me go back a little bit. I asked her to take me, like, show me where you are so we can save you. Because I thought she was alive this whole time. And maybe I was getting the information from, like, spare guides or something. I couldn't, I couldn't explain it. And so, and again, this is like all new to me also. I'm just learning all of this. Right. So got my goddaughter who's clued into all of this that I'm experiencing. And we went for a drive. And I think this is when we went to buy over her, buy where her apartment complex was. And it may have been after she had already died. But I'll talk about when she died. Well, when I think she died. I was tickling my daughter's back and it was kind of late at night but I was just back to go to sleep and I got the sharpest pain in my stomach and I was like immediately thought she's dead they killed her and my daughter I was like oh my god that hurts so bad and so I called Kayla and I told her I'm like I think they killed her and then I saw a vision of a boot like a black kind of cowboy boot with a silver toe which I've told you this before and I has said it all these, these years. Yeah. 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 I,
0: I remember that was one of the first, I don't know, I think we were in like circle mm-hmm. and you were, somebody had asked you specifically if you'd ever channeled somebody that'd been murdered or something right. like that and you were telling this story. Right.
2: Yeah. And I can't forget that. And so I, I believe that Jereese Hunter did not do this alone, and I think she had help. And so I assumed it was a man and that she was... Because what Jessica was telling me was that... Jesse. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Jesse. Why do I say that? (laughs) I've done that before. Okay, so what Jesse was telling me was that she followed her mom her mom was going to somebody's house and she followed her mom to that person's house and that's when I wanted her to take me to where it was happening and so she drove me to which I had no idea where where her apartments were because again I'm not watching the news I'm not learning any of this so she took me to like 45th and Glendale area and then we saw the balloons and the little memorial that was set there for her but that's not where she took me she took me across the street from that and then there was um, a couple houses right there and so I parked in the little parking lot across the street from that and I let her tell me what happened she said that she followed her mom to that house, which I assumed was a drug house, and her mom, they got very upset and I almost felt like Um, Her mom was selling her to those people for drugs, like allowing them to do things to her for drugs. But again, I could be wrong, but my mind doesn't go sick like that. (laughs) So I just think that things like that could have happened. But anyway, so while I was asking questions, I was very creeped out because we're, we're literally across the street from what could be a dangerous house. So while she's telling me this information, it's almost like she's pleading with me to call it in and all i kept saying was what am i gonna say they're gonna either think i'm part of it or I can't tell them I, I'm a medium. They're not going to listen to me, and so um, I'm asking Kayla, how are we going to do this? I, she's she wants me to call this in and tell them what's going on. And um, she had told me that they were going to throw her in the trash, and they panicked and changed their mind, and they wrapped her up in a blue like th- she's showing me like a blue blanket and drove her awesome. out somewhere and got rid of her that way. But she was not in the trash. So you keep saying they, I, I know that's, that's something else. else. I have never said her mom right. did, did her this say on they. their own. I always say they, so I just, my gut's telling me her mom did not act alone. So I was, I'm, it's not going to hurt to call it in. So I call oh, a silent court. witness and I told them, uh, I had information about Jesse Shockley. I did not tell him I was a medium. I just said, I think that she followed her mom to a house, and I described the house and said it was across the street from her apartments. And I said, I. oh, another, another thing, thing she told me was the grandmother knows everything. therese Hunter's mom knows everything. She knows where she's at. She knows all the details of what's happened. She's covering for her daughter. So you're saying the
0: grandmother, the grandmother knows everything. She was in, she, she was privy son. to information. That's
2: what I think. Okay. I, I think that... Well, according to what I hear, okay, she said her grandma knows everything. So I called it in. So I called uh, Silent Witness, and I just said, I have information. I said, I think that she followed her mom. I think that she... I don't think that they... Oh, I don't know if I told them all the details. I just said, I don't think that they... I know that they wrapped her up in a blue blanket. I called twice, so I'm trying to decide what things I said on the first call and on the second call. So this one was silent witness, and I said, I, they wrapped her in a blue blanket. They were going to throw her in the trash, and they changed their mind and put her in the trunk and they took her somewhere else I don't know where and they kept saying how do you know this where are you getting your information and I I kept saying I can't tell you I don't I can't tell you isn't the silent witness right <laughs> do I have <laughs> to say and so I said it a couple times they tried to find out who I was and I'm like I can't tell you just can you just go check it out and so then Kayla and I are driving and I panicked I'm like they're gonna try and find me and so I unplugged my battery I throw it in the car we're driving around did everything we could to not get drunk we were so GPS. yeah i'm like i remember the woman that mentored me saying um sometimes because she has helped on stuff like this and she's like some i've seen mediums actually be accused of the crime because they've known so much information and so that's all i kept thinking about was like i better be careful right Well, it's scary. That it is scary. Is scary. And it's true. How do you know so much? Talk to dead people. I mean, there's people. Yeah. How who do you explain don't that? that? Yeah. How do you explain that to somebody? <laughs>
0: yeah, that it doesn't, it, in this world, that doesn't sound like a logical thing to say right. as an excuse of knowing something.
2: Yeah, and when you're new to this, like now, I'd be able to handle it. What was that? Um, ten years ago? About nine? Nine or ten? Yeah. I mean, it was still all new to me too. Just like coming out and being able to confront my gifts in front of other people so it it was hard so as soon as I made that call my ears unplugged and the pressure came off my ears like the pinching Mm -hmm. feeling I was free so it was like thank you doing something right (sighs) and then as time went on um, there were times that she would come back and especially when I spoke about it a lot and then I would get a little more information about things and so she will be very persistent when I need to make a phone call and even while we were doing this and I was researching right. she because this is the first time I've actually watched stuff about her case or any news things or anything so it was kind of cool to get some validation on what she had told me but or clarification but um, I, there was one time she pushed me again and well first she um, was telling me where she was she was giving me a, a sense of where she was and I thought I don't even know where that is I see what you're showing me can you take me and so I thought I got nothing to lose I'm just gonna see if she'll take me where she is and I just got in my car and I would ask like what direction do you want me to go and I would. Follow the, her lead, and then I'd say, "You want me to make a left, a right? Where do you want me to go?" And she took me out to the place I took you. Right. <laughs> and I I went out there several times with my goddaughter. I went out there with my kids. I went out there with my kids' friends. I I she had me so um, adamant, adamant about, about finding, her. finding her. Like we went with shovels. I just had, had to, to find her because I know she's there. And I. I couldn't find her. I just couldn't get her once I was there to show me... Exactly Exactly where. Right. So that was the hardest part. And so then I called the detective because that's what she wanted me to do. And I was like, if anything I say is right because it's something that hasn't come out, just call me. What do you got to lose? You have nothing to lose. All I want you to do is take a cadaver dog out to this location and sniff around and see if she's there. You have nothing to lose. Right. And And so so I gave him... The information that Jesse had given me that had not yet been out, and and I told him everything right down to i see her in a closet i see she's bound that, that she's, she's not being fed. fed i think she was kicked and that was like the final blow and that's when she died i think it was an oh shit moment and they panicked and they wrapped her up they were going to throw her in the trash they decided not to put her in the trunk drove her out to this location and i think you need to go and see if she's there and i never heard anything from them but that was it that was it until we started talking about it yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then she was while I was researching researching it she was giving me that um I was getting so frustrated and I'm like yelling at the tv and Allie comes out she's like, like who are you talking to I'm like the tv I'm so frustrated but a lot of that I think was her and then she was even making me feel and this is what she does it's almost like I can't wait like I have to drop what I'm doing and go make somebody listen to me and so I kept I was like okay I'm gonna I'm going to go. Like, there's this unreasonable side of you that's like, I'm going to go right now. I'm going to go find out who the detective is and make them listen to me. And then you kind of stop your true self is saying, well, that doesn't make any. You can't do that. What are you going to say? Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to say? Well, I I totally totally would actually try and get in in there somehow to get somebody to listen. But you have to find somebody who has a little bit of curiosity and somebody i i think it would take somebody vouching for me to say like she's she knows her shit. she's not right. she's, she's not, not a scammer because they did actually use um another medium right they, they listened to him and he was not correct <laughs> anyway i i i actually had to tell her like it's a holiday there's no police no detective is that detective isn't there so but I do f- keep feeling that feeling compelled to and I did promise her we wouldn't forget her she comes to me often um, and my friend and I were sitting out in the backyard like a couple years after her case she was taking pictures and she's like it looks like there's a little girl above your pool and sure enough it was her had the little pigtails just like her picture oh that's jesse shockley so crazy it is crazy but it's true and then ever since then i can pick up on little things so i did get it i just now it's it's frustrating when you can't do anything about it right so, so, like my cousin good. sending information to me and wanting you know sending me a picture like do you know anything about this right not having somebody you can call directly and be like how confident
0: that they'll listen to yeah. you
2: yeah because it's it's frustrating because when she, my cousin sent me that picture of a, a woman that wasn't here anymore and I gave her the details of that that just validates that what happened with jesse and the stuff i have on that is accurate it's true i don't doubt it right but i have nobody to give it to right so i do i need somebody to vouch so the other night we're
0: when we were recording this for the first time and um we had issues i mean it was just like from top to bottom we had issues (laughs) and she was you were showing me footage on your phone and whatever and you're telling me she's making me cover this person's face she's She's pointing my finger out the window like she wanted us to go. But of course we had been drinking. (laughs) And it was that would have been a good look. (laughs) But we did go Saturday morning and we took a drive out there. But it's it the area is it's desert but it's fenced off and it's kind of it's not it's private property so it's
2: not like we could with the state it's right. state property right. which well, when i went it was fenced South off but it was a way that you could get in and people were riding their motorcycles there it wasn't it wasn't like stay right stay so out we were
0: so when those. we were talking about it okay so like the story you tell you told me and doing the research on this I was trying to reconcile in my mind um your story versus the evidence that right. came out especially right. the suitcase and all that stuff and the drive out to Tempe because the place that it's, that she showed you is nowhere near Tempe. And we had a
2: little aha moment. Right, when she, we were talking, talking about, about the whole van. being thrown in the trash. Garbage can and. And, and that, that makes sense when we were like, holy shit they did panic because the trash was empty and they she probably was like it's gonna it's gonna stink up more people are gonna you know how you when you're paranoid about something you start second guessing you start to make st- so maybe they went back and pulled her out and then put her, took in the her somewhere else
0: And that's why she's so confident and cocky about the fact that they're not going to find a body. Even when they were searching the landfill, even the grandmother was like, they're not going to find anything. Because the grandmother knew
2: where she was and was like, you're not going to find her here. Yeah. There's actual footage of the grandmother saying, I don't believe she is here. Because you know where she is.
0: That's interesting. I know we wanted to do that because I knew it was like, we felt compelled to do this story.
2: Yeah, and I've always told her like, I'm going to make sure you're not forgotten, you're little soul i just feel so bad for her her siblings and the family that did care about her and they're not getting closure she's at peace but she also kind of isn't because her family isn't so when people are like i just want my loved one to rest in peace when something like this happens they are resting Resting at peace. peace but at the same time they can't because she's working to help get something for, for her family. family. Right. So, so it's, it's not, not for her, control. it's for her family. But I kind of believe that there are other people, that there has to be justice, because I think there's other people out there are involved. dun, dun, dun. dun, dun, dun. Oh, and we were talking about the family members that were still backing her up, the mom. Right. It it really, there really aren't many. It's her, her dad stood up in court and was like, uh, sh- my baby would never do anything like this. Um, your baby spent, spent time in prison already for right, and that's doing the thing something. that gets me.
0: That's the thing that gets me yeah. is like she, already, and that wasn't allowed to be brought out in the actual trial, right? The prior conviction and what it was for,
2: and then uh, the uncle, the uncle was saying how um, I love everybody, and this is dividing our family. That's true, and he said I just want to do what Jesus would have done, and and just love love her and i was like i don't know i don't know how jesus would handle a baby killer (laughs) if he was here i don't think that's a tough one yeah (laughs) i don't know that he'd be like let me wrap my arms around you and love on you after you just tortured and beat and killed murdered my one of my children and threw away like garbage and threw her away. away yeah i don't Without a second thought. I don't know. I don't know how much forgiveness there is, but And then there there was who was uh her brother and then an aunt and cousin and those people just getting up there and letting her have it, saying you're a baby killer and I got nothing for you. I know, frustrated. (laughs) She just broke her pen right now (laughs) out of frustration.
0: So we kind of gave you guys, we gave you the true crime and a little bit of the paranormal because Carleen, her story, her very true story, (laughs) her her personal story. Um, But I'd also like to end this. Is there anything else that you want to touch on before? Because I'm going to play a few clips of her sentencing.
2: Nope, I'm good. Good? I think we got it all. I think it's good to put the... Clips in, yeah, I'm definitely gonna
0: put those clips. All right, guys, this has been, um, this has been quite an ordeal. <laughs> <laughs> it has been trying to get through this uh, this episode, but you know, it was worth it. It was. It worth would it. be
2: nice to hear others' opinions on it too, like. Don't be afraid to share with us. Yeah, if you guys have any questions, you guys want to share any of
0: your thoughts, um, you can always go to Instagram, uh, Tipsy Tales Podcast, um, our Facebook page, Tipsy Tales Podcast, or you can email us at tipsy-tales at yahoo.com. Also, you can contact Carlene.
2: At carlene.com spirit at yahoo.com or on facebook at psychic medium carlene higgins (laughs) <laughs> this is heavy. It's hard. I can't even keep my brain straight. It is. It is. This has been like it feels. It's we've kind of been going on this all weekend.
0: Yeah. We're already at Sunday here. And it then kinda, we woke up part, Yeah. The research we did previous. Right. So, yeah. All right, folks. That's the that's the end of our story. We're gonna leave you with those clips. Uh, before we leave you guys, we also wanted to, if you know anybody of anybody that's being abused, a child that's being abused, um, wherever you are, this is a national child abuse hotline. It'll be this number. It's 1-800-4-A-CHILD, 1-800-4-A-CHILD, or one 800 4453 and it's available 24-7. So if you know of somebody that's being abused, you can call this number, and they're going to direct you to whoever you need to talk to locally.
2: And I'm sure they can help direct people who need help with other, if they have questions regarding child abuse, or somebody needing support with something regarding child abuse. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, we wanted to leave you with that. And uh, here's the clips. Say your name
4: first,
3: I would like to start off by saying, <clears throat> we love and we miss you, Jesse, and we wish you were here with us all. I'm sorry that you will never have the chance to grow up with your cousins and have the opportunity to experience life to the fullest no birthdays to celebrate, no graduations to attend, no marriage, nor children to bear. I can honestly stand here today and say you were truly robbed at a young age of your life. And for that, I'm sorry from the bottom of my heart. Baby, and just to let you know, I know that you've done this to her, and you know that you've done this to her, and you managed to pull the wool over all our eyes until you completed your task of killing baby Jessie. And to top it off. To top it off, you thought you were actually going to get away with it. Huh. Guess what? The last laugh is on you. I hope you burn in hell for what you've done to baby Jesse And for the abuse and trauma that your other children have had to suffer and endure because of the bad choices that you chose to make in your life. I'm glad baby Jessie is up in heaven and she don't have to suffer and endure any more pain from you. And the funny thing is, is that I begged you, I begged you to allow us to keep baby Jessie to stay with us until you got your life in order my sister Taikora offered you to live at her house to live at her house until you got up on your feet and at the same time build a relationship with your baby because you went to prison for four and a half years of her life but this is the road that you chose to take instead of a mother and daughter bond relationship and it's not like you didn't have choices cause you did you just chose the wrong choice and for that you will pay this time for everything everything Jareese everything Reesey everything and you are no longer considered a part of my family nor my cousin i loved you i loved you girl i loved you like my little sister i took care of you like you was one of my children and your children before jesse came along and you know this so how dare you I don't consider you a part of my family, nor my cousin, and you for- will forever be known as a baby killer. You understand that word? A baby killer. And you are going to get what's coming to you. To you, the baby killer. circumstances of your life as well as the life of how how jesse lived and how she died i consider the fact that she was a helpless five-year-old who really needed your protection and instead she died under your care i
4: understand that you say that you did not kill her but the jury has decided otherwise and i have sat through the entire trial And I have to agree with the jury. Um, There certainly was substantial evidence to show that you did kill her and that you did dump her like just yesterday's trash. And I can't forget that. Um, Although your attorney says that during this one short period of your life, one year, you didn't do anything and you have learned from your lesson, testimony shows otherwise. I remember a portion of the testimony from your neighbor who said that Janine went to her and then you went to her and tried to blame things on Janine. And I remember the testimony from Ms. Vance about the picnic in which she, she said she showed uh, that there was some type of injury on Jesse. So that rings hollow to me. I've also considered the fact that you have done this before. Not that you should be judged forever for what you've done before, because you did pay your debt to society for those. But I also have to consider the fact that you are a repeat offender on the same type of charge. And I have to consider protecting any future children. I've also considered your life circumstances, and I don't doubt Ms. Shoemaker, when she says that you had a horrible beginning of your life and that you maybe learned your parenting from somebody else, and that you did not have an easy life, that you yourself was probably abused as a child. Um, And I have also noted that you do have the support of at least a portion of your family. Considering all of that, I do believe a natural life sentence is appropriate in this case. And so as to count two it is the judgment and sentence of the court that you be sentenced to the department of corrections for the rest of your natural life as to count one I have considered the following aggravating circumstances and those are the aggravating circumstances that the jury found and those are you committed the offense in an especially heinous cruel or depraved manner that the offense was a domestic violence offense committed in the presence of children that you were an adult at the time of the crime and the victim was a child under the age of 12, and that you perpetrated a fraud on the community by reporting the victim as a missing child. I note especially that they spent hours and hours, days, weeks, months looking for Jessie. Um, So it also rings hollow to me that nobody was out there looking for her. There were people looking for her. They spent a lot of time looking for her. And as for the mitigating circumstances, I note again that you do have the support of at least a part of your family, the fact that you did not have an easy upbringing, and that you were most likely abused as a child yourself. Balancing the aggravating circumstances against the mitigating circumstances, I do find that the aggravating circumstances are sufficiently substantial to warrant a greater than presumptive sentence as allowed under the law. And it is a judgment of the court that you be sentenced to the greater than presumptive sentence of 20 years and giving you credit for the 100 and, I'm sorry, 1,044 days of pre-sentence incarceration that you have already served. This sentence is a flat time sentence um, as required under the law and it is consecutive to count two as required under the law.
0: guys thanks for listening to this episode of tipsy tales music by jesse Bisqueda, artwork by sergio hernandez and if you're listening on itunes please don't forget to rate and review thanks